Where would you go if you were feeling unwell or wanted to refer yourself for health and wellness support? If you needed a repeat prescription or want to book a GP appointment, the answer is to go to shwh.co.uk because the Sunderland Health and Wellness Hub has all the information, advice and links you need about local healthcare services in Sunderland and it'll direct you to the right healthcare services for your needs. So for all your health and wellness needs, visit shwh.co.uk. This is our People podcast, telling the stories behind South Tyneside and Sunderland NHS Foundation Trust. Hi, and welcome to Our People podcast. I'm Harry Newhouse, your host for today's episode. And with me today are members from our diabetes teams, Kay Brown and Namantha Dialwiz. Welcome to the podcast, Kay and Namantha. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, uh, please could you introduce yourself and explain what your role is within the diabetes team. So I'm Kay Brown, I'm a diabetes specialist nurse and I'm the CFK lead for the nursing team. I've been in role um, as a DSN for about 10 years and my role includes inpatient management. So I see patients on the ward who are acutely unwell, adjust insulin medication, provide education for patients. I do outpatient clinics, so patients who are referred from consultants, GPs, district nurses, again, medication management and education. Um, we do staff education for people in hospital, outside hospital and support care homes. And we also deliver um, an education session called Desmond for those who are newly diagnosed with type 2 diabetes who are referred in from the GP. I don't do it myself personally, but we also, um, the team deliver a type 1 education course for carb counting, etc. Brilliant. And same question to you, Namantha. Yes, Harry. So, um, Namantha Diavis, as you said, um, I'm a, a consultant in diabetes and endocrinology. Mm-hmm. I used to work at Sunderland and now at South Tyneside. So, generally, the work of an endocrinologist would include some general medicine, looking after the wards, acute medical unit, and also doing the diabetes bits, which are generally um, mostly outpatient, but also some inpatient work. And that might mean diabetes clinics, various diabetes clinics, uh, endocrine clinics. And my area of specialist interest is in obesity. So I do that in Sunderland, uh, supporting the bariatric surgical team with sort of their diabetes and medical issues. Uh, yeah, so that's me. Brilliant. And uh, for those that may not know what diabetes is, um, what is it and how can someone be tested for it? Um, so diabetes, in its kind of simplest form, is where um, the glucose levels in the body are not controlled and they're too high. Um, it can at times make people feel unwell, but a lot of the time people don't have symptoms of it at all. Um, it can happen when your body doesn't produce enough insulin. Um, the insulin it produces doesn't work very well um, or the body just stops producing insulin altogether. Um, we need insulin to regulate the glucose levels um, so obviously if there's a, a disruption in the supply of that then it affects the glucose levels inside of the body. When we discuss this with patients and provide education we discuss insulin um, as a key to open the cells, the muscles and organs to allow the glucose which is your body's energy to function um, it allows the glucose from your bloodstream and your body cells for energy so if there's a disruption in that, um, then it causes the glucose levels to rise because the, the, the kind of glucose is stuck in the bloodstream. So you can be tested for that um, by a blood test called an HbA1c, and that looks at the glucose levels over approximately three months, an average level. Um, if that level is over 48, then you have um, diabetes. Um, there's other tests as well. 
Um, you can have a fasting glucose level done. Um, sometimes people have a urine test where the GP um, or nurse will dip a stick in urine and if it changes colour, it means you've got glucose in. That's not a diagnosis criteria, but it's a sign that your body's getting rid of extra sugar when you shouldn't need to be. Um, so then that might prompt the GP to do other tests as well. And then depending on the type of diabetes you have, you might also have blood tests looking at antibodies and how much insulin um, your pancreas is actually producing. And uh, how can someone tell if they have diabetes? So a lot of the times, it, as well as suppose it depends on the type of diabetes <laughs> that they have or might have. Um, so certainly with type 2 diabetes, they might not have any symptoms. I think um, 850,000 people are walking around the UK now with diabetes and they don't know about it because they don't have any symptoms. Certainly other types of diabetes, um, that happens very quickly the symptoms will also happen very quickly so it would be um becoming very thirsty weight loss potentially blurred vision hunger other things like that so they would generally become acutely unwell quite quickly within a couple of weeks i would say um, and at that point they would have to um come to hospital um, but certainly the majority of people um, with diabetes who have type 2 diabetes often don't have symptoms unless it's extremely high and is there an age range that it affects uh, people most, or is, uh, who, what sort of people does it affect? Um, again, it, it depends on the, the type of diabetes. Um, I suppose type 2 diabetes used to be something that would happen um, in older people, um, generally like maybe 40 plus, um, overweight. Nowadays, we are getting a lot of younger people with type 2 diabetes, um, 17, 18 you know, all the way up. Um, so it is happening um, at a younger age. Um, and type 1 diabetes generally is still um, diagnosed in those, like, children. So paediatric, there's paediatric teams who, who, who manage children. Um, and then generally kind of up to, like, 40-ish. But again, that we have had some people who are outside of that scale um, who are much older than that. We had a lady a couple of months ago who was 73 who was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. So there's like generic categories, but there's always times where someone doesn't fit into that. Brilliant. And um, what health problems does it cause? Right, so when it comes to health problems, I think as um, Kay was saying, the most important feature to stress on is that most of the time diabetes can be completely symptom-free. And so it's a case of sort of screening for it if you have risk factors for diabetes. And uh, I'm, I'm talking mainly about type 2 diabetes here. Um, so if you have been screened and you're known to have diabetes, and again, uh, illnesses like, say, pneumonia, heart attack, stroke, you have it or you don't, and everyone sort of, it's, it's very obvious whether you've had that sort of problem. The thing with diabetes is that it's quite a silent thing. So it works in the inside, gradually, chronically, making things worse and causing health issues. So coming to that question that you asked me, Harry, about the health problems, we would classify these in various ways because diabetes can cause problems right from your head to your toes. Every single organ can be involved. So if you were going to classify it, we would say acute or, or suddenly happening health problems such as like very high sugars causing patients to be very unwell or very low sugars as a result of treatment. Um, so that's a sort of um, acute presentation where people might have to be rushed into hospital with very high sugars or very low sugars. Now, the other problems generally tend to be chronic problems. They come on slowly. And in fact, I think I should say at this point that 
Sometimes you can have diabetes and again, as Kay was saying, there are 850,000 people in this country who don't even know they have diabetes and, and these people can already be having some of these chronic problems starting off in their, or in their bodies and in their organs. So by the time these problems come on, they may not even know how they have diabetes. But those chronic problems, again, we will look at sort of, you know, heart problems, strokes, vascular sort of circulation problems in your feet, which we call as the macrovascular or involving the large vessels. And then we have the, the sort of the minor vascular involvement, such as your eyes getting affected, your kidneys getting affected, your nerves getting affected. Um, so these are the micro and macrovascular effects, as we call when we're teaching medical students. But other than that, diabetes also makes everything worse. So if you're going for an operation, um, they can complicate your progress. Your wound healing might be um, complicated. As you know, people with diabetes were, were shielding during COVID because they had more complications. So um, diabetes is a systemic or involves the whole body and can cause any health problem either because of diabetes or because they've got diabetes, other health problems can be made worse. So really, it's about prevention and it's about controlling those, those complications of diabetes that, that is the most important factor in treatment. You both mentioned that there's a couple of types of diabetes. Um, so what is type 1 diabetes and what's type 2 diabetes? Right, so type, um, we would say that type 2 diabetes is the common one. So 90% of those with diabetes. So we're, we're talking nearly about 4.5 million people in the UK with diabetes, about you know, 7-8% of the population. All these people will be, will be type 2, the, the maturity onset, the metabolic type of diabetes. And in this, as Kay was saying, it's to do with your insulin resistance, it's about obesity, it's about sedentary lifestyle, it's about all of those modifiable risk factors to some extent. About 8% of those who have diabetes will have what's called type 1 diabetes, where they go straight on to insulin because these people have no insulin production. And uh, yes, type 2 people with type 2 diabetes can also end up on insulin, but the type 1 diabetes, you go straight on to insulin, younger age group, etc. About 2% of, uh, of people with diabetes will have other types of diabetes, so the, the inherited ones, there are genetic types of diabetes. Um, I think at this point, again, I'd like to say a few words about um, pregnancy diabetes, what we call this gestational diabetes, because that's quite um, a high risk point in most women's lives where they are pregnant. And, and due to the pregnancy itself, they can have gestational diabetes or pregnancy-induced diabetes. It should clear after the pregnancy is over, but there are precautions that women have to take. In addition to that, you can also get diabetes because of some medications we use, such as steroids. And so we might call them steroid-induced diabetes. Uh, people might get diabetes because their pancreas is affected by acute pancreatitis or chronic pancreatitis, long-term alcohol intake. So there are those minor types of diabetes, but the, the big one um, is type 2 diabetes, which is 90% of those with diabetes. Brilliant. And uh, how, can you, how can diabetes be treated? So, um, obviously, as Samantha said, the type 1 diabetes, you have to have insulin injections. So we all need insulin to live. Um, and if your pancreas isn't producing any at all, the only option you have is to inject it or have insulin delivered via a pump or something. Um, so certainly for those with type 1 diabetes, um, the treatment is insulin. Um, there are other types of medication available. So there's tablets, um, some that help with insulin resistance, where kind of, if you imagine like fat clogging up a cell, and it basically acts a bit like WD-40 and help, helps the insulin get in and work a little bit more effectively. Um, there's tablets which help your pancreas produce a little bit more insulin itself. 
Um, there's other ones which work with the hormones in your stomach and affect, um, I suppose, the, the insulin production and, and how the hormones in your stomach work with digestion. Um, and there's other tablets now which are, um, help excrete extra glucose through your urine. Um, which are really good at controlling, um, obviously diabetes, but they're being used in cardiology for, um, you know, cardiac um, reasons as well in um, renal function. There's also currently, well, there's a national shortage of um, a drug called JLP one. Um, it's an injection, and you can also um, have it in tablet form, and that kind of works with your digestion helps lose weight and also controls diabetes but at the minute and um, there's major issues with the supply of that so um if anybody's on that and they have issues with it then i suppose it's a case of speaking with whoever manages your diabetes um, it, and it, it's just because it works really well and it's been really popular um, and now there's a shortage of it unfortunately so you, you mentioned how type 2 diabetes is the more preventable uh, type of diabetes um, how can uh, uh, anyone prevent getting type 2 diabetes? Um, so type 2 diabetes um, absolutely is something that um, can be prevented, but also I suppose there the, the are risk factors that put you more at risk of developing type 2 diabetes, often which you can't um, avoid or prevent. So um, ethnicity, um, South Asian, Afro-Caribbean people tend to be more at risk. Um, obviously, if you've had gestational diabetes um, before, you're more at risk of developing type 2 diabetes. If you're on... Um, I suppose steroid therapy that can sometimes push if you were at risk anyway that can also push you through as um, Namantha was saying as well so there's kind of lifestyle modifications that you can make losing weight um, being more active there's um, a diabetes risk assessment tool on Diabetes UK which is a really good resource to look at so you just type in your um, details and it'll tell you how at risk you are of developing type 2 diabetes it'll then give you tips on how to kind of prevent type 2 diabetes as well but there's also um lots of programs like national programs around the country and um, walking away from diabetes um, and basically like prevention um strategies and, and it all is down to kind of lifestyle and activity levels and um, so ex- for example just choosing um higher fiber carbohydrates reducing the amount of processed meat you have uh, reducing um salt eat more fruit and veg um, try not to have more than 14 units per week um, of alcohol um, have more nuts and seeds and things like that. Try to go for sugar-free drinks. So it's just lifestyle modifications is, is the main thing. In regards to other types of diabetes, um, you know, certainly type 1 diabetes, um, it, it's something you can't prevent. It's just something that happens. So no matter what you do, how healthy you are, if you get type 1 diabetes, then, you know, you couldn't have done anything about it. And... Um, Certain types of like type three C diabetes, if you know if you have pancreatitis, and um, sometimes that can be caused because of gallstones. So it's some things aren't preventable, but certainly for type two, there is a lot of lifestyle modifications that you can make to try and reduce the risk of developing it. But as I said, the risk assessment tool is quite good to look at, um, at assessing how at risk you are. Especially in type two diabetes, uh, if I may add, Harry, is that um, it's it's very. Um dependent and connected to body weight so there are people also who may just get diagnosed with diabetes who can lose a significant amount of weight and then almost put it into remission so they might go into sort of you know into almost a non-diabetic state because they've lost a significant amount of weight so um, in type 2 diabetes we do a lot of um, emphasis on on weight so whether it be you losing weight through a certain sort of diet modification or exercise 
or medications um, that is known to help uh, with diabetes. And I think whether you are on tablets or insulin or whatever else medications that people are given for, for diabetes, as Kay was saying, uh, it's still very, very important that we do our bit and, and that may be to keep the weight down, to be as active as possible, to watch what we're eating. So that's for people who have diabetes as well as for those who are trying to prevent diabetes because diabetes is not like an on-off switch. You don't get it like a heart attack. It's like um, it's a spectrum. So you can sort of drift into it and drift into good control and drift into bad control uh, because of what your lifestyle does. And, and many people will fail along the way, but it's a case of coming back to it over and over and sort of doing your bit to keep your risk of diabetes. And if you have diabetes, your risk of getting complications as low as possible. And uh, if someone already has diabetes, how can they manage it? So that, that again comes to, I think, what we have been speaking. It's all about what you as a person with diabetes can do and, and what the team who are managing you can do. Um, and I think uh, most people who are fully engaged with their diabetes care, who will uh, you know, really make lifestyle changes and will be extremely helpful towards the management of diabetes. Sometimes, like in type 1 diabetes, you can't do much. But still, for all, um, those even with type 1 diabetes can afford to live uh, you know, a more healthy life, be more active, and that will help at some point, but you cannot just stop insulin. But in type 2 diabetes, medications can be taken away from you um, because you don't need them anymore because people really change their lifestyles and, and sort of do really well. So taking your medications on time is also very important. So these are all, they could be all long-term medications. So in, in addition to your healthy lifestyle, taking your medications, be their tablets, be their insulin on time, being responsible so that you know, you're doing your bits and not having to be chased by the diabetes specialist nurses or the doctors to do what you're supposed to do. And also attending your annual screening program because all people with diabetes are in a diabetes register. So they will get their eye screening done once a year, their foot screening once a year, they'll have blood tests maybe more often depending on how good or bad their control is. So attending for these, engaging with your diabetes team uh, is really important in, in self-management and, and preventing the complications of diabetes. And uh, is it reversible? Uh, well, uh, the, we don't use the word reversible, but I think we say that we can put it into remission. So as I was saying, if you're early onset diabetes, and these are trials that came out from uh, the Northeast, and if you lost about you know, 14, 15 kilograms or two stone in weight loss, we found that people could come off their tablets and, and you know, be in a non-diabetic state. But of course, it, it's also about maintaining that, because if you go back to gaining the weight, then again, the diabetes comes back. So that's why we don't say you're cured of it. Uh, we say you can get yourself into remission by losing weight and by looking after yourself. And, and right, right at the start, as Kay was saying, by clearing fat and clearing sugar from your pancreas, it can work a little bit better. So I would say it's not curable, but definitely um, can be put into remission. Brilliant. Why is it important for our staff to be educated on diabetes? So certainly within the hospital setting, it's everybody's responsibility to know about diabetes. Um, about one in six hospital beds are occupied by someone with diabetes. So, you know, that could be on a surgical ward, medical ward, elderly care. Um, it's becoming obviously a more common issue. So um, we know that there's five million plus people in the UK with diabetes. Um, so, it, you know, you could have a patient, you could have family members with diabetes as well. So, um, you know, we know that it puts, you know, lots of other health um, issues at risk. So, you know, risk of amputation, stuff like that. 
infection you know from wounds so if you go for surgery it'll delay that so it's not just like a specialty thing and that we have to manage people with diabetes everybody should know about it because it affects everything and um, affects your whole life um, so certainly staff in P- in hospital when someone's acutely unwell should know how to manage it and the, I suppose day-to-day stuff, lifestyle, education, advice, things like that. Um, but in the community, GPs, practice nurses, they deal with diabetes a lot of the time, so um, their knowledge is, is, is usually really, really good. But every, you know, care homes, staff who are looking after patients, um, sorry, residents with diabetes, making sure that their feet are checked. Um, any foot wound or anything like that would need to be referred to a podiatrist because um, obviously infection risk, things like that. So, it, it, yeah, it's kind of everyone's responsibility because diabetes is everywhere. It's it's not just, you know, something that kind of sits in the corner. It's it's everywhere. And uh, does your team train staff on other departments? So um, we usually um, deliver lots of education sessions but since COVID and um, we've had some staffing issues we haven't been able to deliver as much education as we would like or would normally do. We can give one-to-one education sessions for staff um, if needed and um, we've, we've been supporting some overseas nurses with that as well. We're working with a new member of staff and she's going to help support deliver education to the wards for us so we provided her with some information about topics which kind of incident errors general diabetes stuff just so she can go to the wards and do the education on our behalf so we've got that going we're trying to make the six steps to insulin safety um, a mandatory training module um, for both South Tyneside and Sunderland just because we know that um, insulin errors um, are very high um, and we need to do something to um, reduce the risk of that yeah we used to provide some care home training and things but unfortunately that's been put on hold for COVID but it might be something in the future I'm going to look at delivering again and a few years ago we delivered um, the Think Glucose Symposium at Sunderland um, and then there was a virtual one I think during COVID that was a really good resource so again something else that we're looking at and trying to relaunch again Um, it's just trying to fit that in alongside all the clinical work but certainly if there was anyone who needed anything in particular um, I would encourage them to reach out and speak to her because we're more than happy to do one-to-one stuff or anything specific if there was any issues. Finally, is it important for our residents who don't suffer from diabetes uh, to know what to do when it comes to things such as insulin? So I think given that um, diabetes is such an asymptomatic condition where people like you and me sitting around here, we could be having diabetes if we didn't check for it, it's very important that everyone is aware of diabetes. It's important that everyone is, is involved in preventing it, so keeping ourselves healthy and therefore passing on that message to our friends, families, loved ones um, uh, about preventing diabetes, getting their health checks done in a timely manner, etc. Other than that, it's really important for those of you who are listening who may be staff members to always have a very low degree of suspicion to to suspect, you know, could this patient be having diabetes? Should we check diabetes levels? Have they, um, you know, are they one of the higher risk um, category people so that one can look for diabetes? So uh, basically what I'm saying, I think, is, is actively making sure that we don't get it and actively being involved in preventing the onset or, or getting diabetes if we can, if it's particularly type 2 diabetes. So that's one category. I think secondly, there may be many of us, uh, many of our listeners who may be caring for people with diabetes, who are aware that in their houses are people who are on insulins, who are on tablets, who are doing other things for, for diabetes or even um, trying to lose weight because of diabetes. So 
I think it's really important for everyone to encourage each other to do this. Now, we in, in the obesity world, we, we say that there are people called feeders. You know, feeders are sometimes people who love us most, who want us to eat a little bit more. You know, I'll go and have a second serving. So, you know, trying not to be like that and not always treating um, and celebrating with uh, really unhealthy food, for example. You know, so everyone should be involved in it, encouraging especially our friends and our relatives who have diabetes to to keep their lifestyle as healthy as possible. And as I was saying about the medications, um, reminding people to take their medications, helping them with their medications. Sometimes we should also have a little bit of awareness if they're on medications. How do we look after somebody if they have a, a, a low sugar reading, you know, giving them something sugary to eat. So there may be others who need a little bit more education about looking after diabetes because they've got someone at home who's at high risk. And of course, uh, those people can reach out to the diabetes nurses, to their GPs, to the diabetes teams to get that education so they're involved. But more so, the, the whole general population must be aware of preventative steps and you know what we can do. And in that sense, even um, the health authorities, the government, everyone should be involved in trying to prevent diabetes and obesity because this is one of the biggest pandemics that's going to hit our, our nation, our world, and, and this is a preventable thing. It cannot be done by people like Kay and myself, you know, just diabetes teens. It's got to be done by every single human being that lives in this part of the world or anywhere in the world that we are trying to prevent um, a surge in diabetes and obesity. Brilliant. Uh, that brings us to the end of uh, this episode. Thank you, Kay and Namantha, for joining me today. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Our People Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and check out our other stories. Hit subscribe to keep up to date with the latest and catch up with what we've been up to on our Twitter, Facebook and Instagram pages. Just search for our name.